0: Welcome to Failing Forward. Today we have Ian Lathrop from USAID Learning Lab to talk to us about tools, approaches, and why we should be talking about failure at all. Welcome to Failing Forward. Ian, do you want to introduce yourself for the group today?
1: Sure. My name is Ian Lathrop and I am the Senior Communications Manager for the USAID Learn contract, a five-year mechanism that provides institutional support to USAID here in Washington and also through a number of buy-ins from missions and other operating units, supporting the integration of collaborating, learning, and adapting throughout the program cycle at USAID and USAID's work.
0: And one of the reasons we're excited to have you with us today is you get to see this from a broad perspective. You see USAID and lots of implementing partners, and you come at it from a really practical perspective of tools and resources and ways we might approach this. So it's going to look a little different than our standing sailing forward because we're going to talk more about how. How do we create space for right. failure and how do we talk about it?
1: There is an art to humility, really owning things that go wrong or if things go off track. The failure in our space becomes more problematic when it's repeated, when it's the same issue that is not addressed. That just, and so it's important that everyone is in, encouraging the honesty and transparency around things that go wrong. The key point to understand with failure is that failure is only useful and important to you if you learn from the experience and make different decisions or choices based on what failed. Because otherwise it's a repeated failure and that's not how we make progress. We're not failing to fail, we're recognizing that things don't go right and we need to kind of do an assessment of what happened and how to change going forward.
0: Why should we talk about failure? Why is this important?
1: Accepting reality it's part of it of why it's important to talk about failure, recognizing that things don't always go according to plan. Sometimes we have a good idea at the outset of something, and we get down the road, and it doesn't appear to be what we had envisioned. If you fail to accept something went wrong, you're only hindering your ability to be successful in the long run. So it's important to talk about failure at any degree, really. Of you know, you we had a conversation, and I said I would follow up on these three things, and I didn't do that. Really, something that little or something of like, we are going to open a new country office in this country because we think there's demand there and you know a number of things don't happen that need to happen for that to be sustainable and we have to abandon it. It's important to talk about why something didn't go the way we thought it would go. When people hear the word failure, they equate it with shaming, belittling attitude when it's really just, it failed to go the way we thought it would go. And it's important for us to dig deep and review what we thought was going to happen and then talk about what actually happened and then focus on, okay, so if we have to do this again, what are we going to do differently so that it doesn't happen the same way? Now that's at a, a super high level because it can be applied, you know, it can be applied to personalities, issues, it can be applied to business practices, it can be applied to technical decisions. But it's important to talk about that openly, to understand that nobody is perfect and that we can only achieve success together in a certain way.
0: When you think about encouraging people to talk about failure, you've already mentioned some of the barriers that we face. There's a sense of shaming, mm-hmm. people are afraid to put it forward. What are some other barriers you see there?
1: Time and money, for sure, are big barriers. If something goes horribly wrong, it's often like that childhood mindset of like, oh, I broke something, but maybe I can replace it and get it fixed before anyone notices. So I don't have to own up to that in a way that's kind of uncomfortable for a brief time, especially if things are very costly. There's this attitude of, well, we don't need to alert either the client or leadership that something's going wrong. We can like try and fix it quickly so that they think that we're still high performing and high achieving and all is well here. And timing in the CLA world, the A's for adapting and one of those is adaptive management and the other one is pause and reflect. And, and those are two key things that are conducive to making the space for failure. Part of that being adapting is recognizing that you need to make the time to make decisions based on your experience and your evidence and your data by being adaptable, you're building in time for the inevitable things that don't go the, the way you thought they would go. So timing is one of the big ones. Though. We don't have time to really focus on all of what went wrong and identifying the source of the problems if we're trying to meet a deadline or if we're trying to make sure that we get a top-up of, of funding. If you're cutting corners now, how are you going to be s- successful in the future?
0: You mentioned pressure for immediate deliverables. Do you feel like the whole narrative around quick wins And also, narratives around being risk averse also play into this.
1: The term risk averse can be perceived as being afraid, being afraid to deviate from the status quo, or being afraid to what is really exciting about being in a culture dynamic where it's good to talk about failure and learn from failure is that it actually encourages you to take more risk and be more experimental in your approaches or try something new or reach out to someone new because you have an idea of like, this may lead to something, but the only way we know if it's going to or not is to try something and get out there and adapt from there. Whereas if you were being super risk averse, you're being afraid to try a new approach or talk to a new person because you don't want to run that risk of something going wrong. When you are in a dynamic or on the team, where failure is celebrated. It becomes apparent that it's not a trap to have something go horribly wrong to then put out there, this is your fault. You want to be smart about risk. So take a calculated risk.
0: You've already started talking about some of the benefits, being willing to try new things, feeling a little more safe, feeling comfortable with your team and celebrating when something happens. What are other benefits you see to talking about failure?
1: If you think of it in a more entrepreneurial sense, know, everybody's gung-ho around an idea and everybody's pitching in and the sky's the limit with creativity. And then you kind of build around that momentum there and then get out there and you get some like a minimal viable product out there. And then you realize quickly that it's not going well. And then you do a pivot. Okay, this is what we learned. This is what's happening. We need to make these changes and we we can go forward. Being in that all hands on deck, working towards something great. And we understand that the only way to see what The possibilities are is take an action. What is it that we're trying to achieve here? What are the best ways to do it? Who are the best people to help us do it? And let's just like put something together, especially in this development space where sometimes we can just plan ourselves into oblivion where we're just like planning, 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 and we forget that we need to start being productive and being creative and understanding why we're here
0: we have already started to talk a little bit about needing to be action-oriented. One of the things at CARE, for sure, but I think all of the implementing partners USAID works with, is wanting to focus on impact and the development outcomes. Mm-hmm. The whole point of all of this right. is not to talk about failure so we say that we can, It's so that we can improve impact for the people we're trying to serve. Can you think of examples where you've seen that happen, or examples where it might happen?
1: if you aren't considering the people that you're working with or for, that alone is a big failure. They should be the ones informing you on how to do your work because we work in service for them. And so if you're working on a a project for like childhood literacy somewhere and the curriculum design is not having an effect, ultimate failure would be if you ignore those signs and refuse to make any changes. And then when you get to the end of your project, you have not made any progress in your work. If you lose sight of what it is that you're doing and why it is you're doing this work, you're not gonna be having any positive impact on anything. You're gonna continue to go down a path Path where nothing happened. Focus on those shorter bursts in your planning and your implementation, taking the time to take that back to your original strategy and kind of ground truth. Okay, this is what we thought was true. Is this happening? Yes or no? Let's make changes and then let's go to the next phase.
0: It would be possible to have everything you do be reviewing right. on failing or not. And then you would also right. be you'd be failing yourself into oblivion instead of planning yourself into oblivion. Right. How do you think about that balance?
1: On Learn specifically, we have an internal M&E cycle that we follow. In our technical areas, we have things that we report on. We have a quarterly review by each technical portfolio of, this is all the data that we've collected. What sense can we make of it? Is it having the effect that we thought it would? Do we need to change course? And then what should we do differently so that the next quarter it's slightly different? So building in those regular reviews will help. It's more of the exploration and not putting on a pedestal the thing that went dismally because not everything needs to be this monumental failure like i said before you can you can have smaller ones we on learn do a lot of after action reviews particularly when we have high profile or intensive deliverables or events so we always schedule kind of an after action review to explore those things if you're the facilitator of a three-day workshop and you may have in your head that you had wanted to accomplish A, B, C, and D with the people, but then when you're in your action review upon reflecting, you realize we set out to do this and these other things happened and I as a facilitator failed to wrangle that in. A reflection point to just think about the little things of how to grow in the future and just taking note and just recognizing that not everything is perfect, not everyone is perfect,
0: After action reviews are one, what are some of your other favorite tools to create space for this?
1: Having a mini fail fest, we have done a few on our team where we have volunteers talk about a failure, similar to what you and I are talking about on this podcast, where we ask one person to talk us through their failure and explore what happened. If you think about it in a more technical space, it's just being transparent, making sure you have a human connection with your counterparts and being straightforward. You know, We are not seeing the results that we thought we would see with this, or we made a misguided investment in something and we have to pull out. And we recognize sometimes that's how it goes, but sweeping it under the rug isn't going to serve anyone for those familiar with collaborating, learning, and adapting, we have self-assessment and action planning process, the CLA maturity tool. And one of the six components is culture. And so if you are trying to foster a culture of openness or accepting of failure, that tool helps you think through where we are currently, where do we want to be in our openness around discussions of failure, and what are some things that we can do to help us get there. And so if you take a route like that, maybe one of the actions that's suggested is leadership can be a better model of transparency around failure. That hopefully is one way that cascades down. So if they're comfortable at the top, that sends a message to others on the team that, hey, I can come forward to this and it's not going to affect me negatively. Another one is in the adapting component, the two subcomponents, adaptive management and making time to pause and reflect. You can easily set aside time for, for pause and reflect, which could be an after-action review, which could be a quick post-mortem conversation on something operationally can be built into your work plan. There's one activity from Uganda that sticks out to me in particular that we featured on USAID Learning Lab in a, a video for Community Connector Project from USAID Uganda. And the way that they had structured their actual implementation was to have the pilot phase, an implementation phase, and then like a learning phase. And they, from the get-go, built that time in so that they could assess what they needed to do, they could start doing what they needed to do, and then they would take a mini break and say, this is what the reality is. And then these are the things that we need to change for the next phase of implementation. So it's in the USA world's shorter work planning process so that you have the, the time. You don't, maybe you don't wait a year. Maybe you just wait six months. So you say, okay, here's what we're working on for these six months. We'll assess of if we still need to pursue these when we have to do our next work plan.
0: One question I have for you is, can you think of a moment in your own professional development that was an aha moment around, this is why we need to be doing this, or we need to talk more about failure?
1: In my current role, the learn team. It's easy to let your excitement get the best of you. Say you meet with a client and they talk about wanting to pursue something. Momentum and excitement builds for that thing that was kind of like a a nascent idea, but takes on a life of its own. And then when you're following up to either present the final product or execute the final idea, it kind of falls flat. It turns out that there was, ever, there was never any demand or ownership or need. One of the major learnings that came out of that was open lines of communication and consistent ground-truthing of, is there suppressing need? Is this what we want? Are people on board? Will this have a life? People who work for USAID or who work in a leadership role at an implementing partner need to be supportive of letting the stakes happen yeah. in a safe way. Do
0: you have any last thoughts or recommendations, especially for people who are implementing partners?
1: Start modeling the behavior that you want to see. And in some places where USAID is seen as this man behind the curtain that we have very little access to, there's—it's really not the case. Everyone is a human. We humans thrive on human interaction. Like, start making connections. And if you want to convince somebody outside your team that this is a good approach, start modeling the behavior on your team. When opportunities arise to say, oh, this is an issue that we've discussed and learned specifically, we have a set of core values that we embody and we have visuals of them throughout our office. And it really just kind of the tone for what we're about and how we do our work. And when we have client meetings, we bring them up of this is what's really important to us of how we get this work done. And This is how to best work with us. And I think they really appreciate that. allows for some more flexibility and um, kind of builds a trust that's so important. Not unlike uh, monitoring, evaluation, and learning, where you're monitoring information, like track your progress. You take a look at that and evaluate what the data tells you, and then you make changes going forward. Everyone's failing all the time anyway, and that's not to say they're bad at their job. Something just didn't go right. So what are we going to do differently?
0: Well, thank you so much for making fun today. I really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. You're welcome, Emily. Thanks so much for listening to Failing Forward. Stay tuned for future episodes. We've got lined up conversations from Madagascar, Uganda, and Mali, and we're looking forward to hearing what you have to say. Join us next week.